Welcome to any guests or visitors joining us today. My name is Kevin Armstrong and I am privileged and honored to serve as the senior pastor for this congregation. Welcome to Forestbrook. It's great to have you with us here today worshiping the Lord. So we're in the book of Ephesians and we uh, have left off with um, talking about beginning to get into Paul's portion here about ethics and Christian behavior. And we talked a couple weeks ago about, about what it is to walk, walk it out, walk it, walk it off. Right to, to leave one way behind and embrace the other and, and to become the people, to grow into being the people that we are already named to be, that God has already called us to be. Um, what we wanted to do is take a couple of weeks to just pause and redirect that a little bit in terms of what are we to do? What are we, what are we as the people of God? What, are we, what, what, is, what is it that, that God is asking of us as his people? Because we can get focused on the ethics and there's nothing, you know, we absolutely want to do that, but that's only half of the story. And we're going to take a few weeks to deal with uh, some of the other aspects of it. Because we, it's so easy for us to think that our, this calling is all about what we do here in the church or what we do you know, privately in our own personal lives and, and you know, trying to kind of make sure that we've got you know, right character and right behaviors and all those kinds of things. And we, we don't do the other part, which is obeying the sending and going out into the world as the people of God, as salt and light and actually doing the work of the kingdom of God that the people of God are called to do. So what we wanted to do was talk a little bit about that. And, and rather than do a lot of preaching or teaching, what we want to do is actually showcase some practical ways that we can do this. And some people in our congregation that are already doing it. And there are many. And no, we're not going to bring Bill Nickerson up because we all know that every time he goes to McDonald's, he leads somebody to the Lord. So we, know, we all know Bill's story, and we should all be more like Bill, absolutely. But we're going to look at a few other situations and individuals that are doing great things and good things for the kingdom of God, because we can all do that, and we all want to be able to do that. You see, Paul says in Ephesians 3 that it is through the church that the wisdom of God is made known, even in the heavenly realms. So what God is doing in the church and through the church is on display for the whole world to see. It's how he shows the world who he is and invites them to himself. We've already been looking at our identity in Christ and we realize that, that we are a different kind of people as God's people. We are a different kind of human being. With the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we're no longer merely human. We are now holy human, with God's Holy Spirit living within us, enabling us and empowering us and leading us to be all that God wants us to be. But that light is not meant to be shone only in here once a week on Sunday morning. It's actually intended to be out there lit brightly all the other times of the week. This is bonus. This is bonus. This is where we get together to encourage one another and to lift one another up and be together in worship. But the work of the church happens out there when we leave this place. That's where the work of the church happens. And that's what you and I need to recapture. We are meant to be living out the wisdom of God 
in the midst of our neighbors, in the midst of our coworkers, in the midst of our fellow students. So what we want to do is take a couple of minutes here to look at the sending passages that, that we have in the Gospels. Because there is a commission to the disciples. Now, we've been on this journey for a couple of years now. We looked at what it is to be disciples. We looked at what it is to be, to be um, harbingers of the kingdom of God. And we spent some time in, God, in Matthew's gospel, going through Matthew chapter 10, with the commissioning of the disciples, where he sends out the twelve, and he says to them, all right, out you go. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, and as you do that, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is come. And we unpacked all of that and talked about different ways. What does that look like in our society? Both the literal, the literal interpretation of it and also the metaphorical interpretation of it. Different ways that we fulfill that commission. Today I want us to look at, at Luke's uh, version of the sending. In Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 9, if you have your Bible, you can have a look at that. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And one of the things I love about this in Luke's passage, of course, is he, he's, he's sending out 72. So it's more than the 12, right? I don't know where these other 60 came from, but he sends out 72 of them. And, and he sends them out and he says, you know what, there's a great harvest out there. Pray for God to send laborers and by the way, I'm sending you. Didn't Paul Lamb talk about that last Saturday when he was here talking about us? That, that we pray for laborers and the laborers are us. They're us. We're the ones that are being sent. We're the ones that are the answers to our own prayers as we go out into the world to bring healing and wholeness and health and reconciliation and restoration to our world. There's nothing wrong for, there, for us to pray for more of us, absolutely. But let's not lose sight of the fact that in our prayers, we're the ones that are being sent. Um, reading on, he says here, he says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and don't greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And again, it's not my, I'm not here today to unpack all of this and, and really kind of do a lot of the, the wordsmithing and things like that, but I want to draw attention here. He, first of all, he says, Go! Get out there. It's a command. He's not saying when you feel up to it or when you're ready or as soon as you think you're, you're all set, then go. He says, okay, I'm sending you out. Go. Go to it. And then he tells them that as they go, they need to pay attention to where God is working around them already. So they're to go to a house, knock on the door, and this is all kind of you know, first century Palestine hospitality. If we do that today, it's a bit strange, but that's the way it was in those days. And so he's basically saying when you go to a, a place where you don't know anybody, when you make a connection with someone, pay attention. And here he uses the language of peace. 
If a, if a person of peace is in the house, then take that as an indication that God is already there ahead of you and stay put. Because God has something for you to do in that place. So there's this discernment that has to take place. They go out into their, into their world and they pay attention to what God is doing all around them. I often use the example of Philip and the Ethiopian from the book of Acts in this situation where Philip was dialed into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was able to say to him, go, and he went, and then he saw the, the Ethiopian and the Holy Spirit said, go and join that person, and he did that, and once he heard what the person was reading, he knew what to do. He knew how to tell them about Jesus. Once he realized, he listened as he discerned and the Holy Spirit led him, and once he was in the right place with the right person... Then he knew how to participate in what God was doing to bring salvation to that person. Also in this principle is that not everybody is somebody that God is working with. And there, he had to pay attention to that too. As they went out, is that if, if people weren't receptive, then, then don't take a lot of time. Because we're, we're looking for where God is already working ahead of us. He says, when you, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. And so you see, once they made the connection, once they made a realization where they were in the right place with the right people that God was already stirring and already working with, the Holy Spirit was already brooding over them, then he says, okay, now do the ministry that is required for that moment and make sure you tie it to the reason you're there in the first place. Because you are here as an ambassador, as an emissary for the kingdom of God which is breaking into the world. And that's what being sent looks like. So when we say that we are to go out through these doors and, and to be the people of God in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, this is what we mean. This is what we are being sent out to do. And Jesus' word to you and I is, go. Go. Don't stay here. Go. Go and do that. We want to be a church filled with people who are sent. Filled with people who are sent. So, to kind of help us do that, what we want to do is, is look at you know, a few people that are doing that and look at some examples. And I wanted to invite Andrew Hodgson up today. This is Andrew. Everybody give him a round of applause. Andrew, let me give you a microphone. You do, you do. So Andrew is and his family are new but not new to Forestburg. So if you know... If you know the Hodgson name, then you know that there's a couple of them. Yeah, there aren't. So we get here. So the 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 elder Hodgsons are in the back row, and the and the younger Hodgsons are in the front row, right? But that's this way they cover the whole congregation. See, <clears throat> um, yeah. But uh, Andrew and Laura and their children have uh, recently come back to Forestbrook in the last uh, number of months. Maybe I don't know, maybe close to a year or whatever. Um, and, uh, and they are the family of Neil and Brenda Hodgson 
longtime members here at Forestbrook. Andrew was a youth in our church for many years and uh, then went off to, you know, do his uh, young adult thing and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, the... That sounds the, suspicious. Yeah, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah, Come on. yeah, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Um, what I meant is the Lord got hold of him. He did. He really did. He really did, and uh, and has has done an amazing work in Andrew's life and, in, and with Laura and their family. But more than that, uh, Andrew has has learned and, and he, he knows what it is to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And he comes to our congregation as someone who's already doing that. And he's got a really cool story to tell about how he's been doing that. And that's what I wanted to have him share with all of us as we go through this today. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. Feel free to answer as you, yeah. as you, as you wish, okay? Um, so I've heard that you pray for people that you work with. Uh, so tell us more about that. Yeah, okay, so for the past five or six years ago, this isn't, uh, wasn't normal for me, but for the past five or six years, uh, I have been praying for people at work, at grocery store, gas stations, drive through windows, chairlifts, just learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit. That's really what it's been. Uh, it's learning how to recognize how the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me, recognizing what the Holy Spirit is doing in a room or doing with somebody, uh, and just taking risk on that. Uh, and so just to kind of give you some examples, specifically as it relates to work, uh, this is about two years ago. This isn't the only example. This is just a really good example. But two, year go, two years ago, I walked into our customer service department, and as I walked into the customer service department, instantly I had this intense chest pain, and I just, in my head, I just hear really strongly the word family. Now, I don't know if you know what a word of knowledge is. A word of knowledge is something that is presently true, but I couldn't have known it unless the Holy Spirit told me. So I believed that this, I was experiencing a word of knowledge, uh, I, and this is just two of the ways that you can experience it. I was experiencing it physically, um, just almost, uh, what's a good way to describe it? Almost like sympathy pains. Like I walked in, and I was just, I could feel that somebody in the room was experiencing chest pain, and this thing, family, came to my mind. So, you know, I'm in a room with about seven or eight people, and I'm kind of like, okay, I guess I'm on a little bit of a treasure hunt, <laughs> trying to figure out who is this. And I realized that it happened as I walked by one particular woman. So I thought, this seems like a good place to start. So I started there. And now she's a Christian woman. She comes from a cessationist background, which just basically means, I'll let you unpack that maybe some other time. <laughs> basically means, basically means uh, just don't, don't believe in the continuation of the gifts, continuation, uh, you know, God's still speaking today. And so I walked up to her and I said, hey, this is kind of weird, but I just really feel like, like do, you have, do you have chest pain by any chance? And she said, yeah, actually, I do. I've been having, like, really intense chest pain, so much so that my doctor has been uh, debating putting me on, uh, on medication. I said, okay, and, and do you have, is there something going on with your family? And she said, yeah, there's just this intense uh, conflict going on with her family, both immediate and external, or immediate and extended family. And so I said, would, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Now, when I say I prayed for her, like, I don't mean that, you know, I got on my knees and we prayed for five, ten minutes. I don't mean that. I just, I genuinely try to do what Jesus did. So if, you know, Jesus oftentimes when he prays, I, I mean, I'd suggest he never really prays. He just commands an issue to be healed, you know, eyes open, that kind of thing. And, and that's really the extent of it. So if Jesus is our model, I want to do what Jesus did. I don't want to make it any more complicated than I need to. So I said, all right, in Jesus' name, I just, I just command this chest thing off of you just to be totally healed. And I bless your family, and I speak favor over your family. And uh, for whatever reason, I didn't ask her if anything had changed recently. Without, again, this is two years ago. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't follow up with her, but a couple months ago, she came up to me, and she said, Andrew, do you remember praying for me a while ago? And I said, oh, yeah, I guess I did pray for you. 
And I pray, I pray for most people in our work. And so I sometimes forget. And so I said, I said no, yeah, I totally, I totally remember doing that. Uh, what, like, what happened? She said, I haven't had chest pain since that day, and the issues with my family have been completely resolved. And so, so it's just learning to partner with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you're allowed to get excited over that. And, uh, and, then, and then recently, just another example, there's a woman who came into my office, and as soon as she came in, I started getting this uh, pain in my hand. And so I kind, of, I kind of felt like, okay, this is, again, word of knowledge. And it felt arthritic to me. I don't have arthritis. I'm just guessing that this is probably what arthritis feels like. So I asked her, I said, do you have arthritis in your hand? She said, yeah, I do have arthritis in my hand. I said, and I've worked with this woman for 10 years. I've never noticed. But for the past seven years, she couldn't move her thumb away from her palm. Like it was like stuck there, fused there just about. And her knuckles, like she couldn't move her fingers past like this point. Like she couldn't do this. And so I just, again, really simply, in Jesus' name, I just command arthritis to leave your hand. And instantly her hand just went, boom, just opened right up. And so, yeah, it's just, been a, it's just been learning to partner with the Holy Spirit. And then there's a lot of times where I pray for people who I don't have a word of knowledge. It's just, you know, some, if somebody has a sling on their arm, like, I don't need a word of knowledge. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's something wrong with your arm. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, yeah, that's been my experience over the last while. That's great, Andy. Thanks. So I want to, let's drill down a little bit on that. You said it a few times, partnering with the Holy Spirit, yeah, right? So for, so for someone who hasn't had those kinds of experiences, right, what is that, how did you learn to do that? Uh, I took a lot of risk. That's really the easiest way to put it. You know, I, I heard stories of people who are having, you know, words of knowledge like this, or they have like this kind of sympathy pain, or they hear words in their head. And, and so I really just, I thought, okay, if these other people can do it, and, you know, John says, I'm, like, any man who lives in him must live as Jesus did. So, okay, I'm going to try to do this. So, if I would get pain in my body, you know, as I said, I kind of made a joke of a treasure hunt. <laughs> like, that's kind of what it's been. Like, sometimes I'll get a pain in my shoulder or something. And I've walked around to a dozen people at work before I find somebody who's got shoulder pain. And it's, so, it's just kind of learning to take risk and just kind of, you kind of got to leave your own own agenda and your own pride at the side and being totally willing to look mm-hmm. silly, stupid. I mean, I was at the drive through window the other day, and I thought I had a word of knowledge. wasn't a word of knowledge. I missed it. But, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather swing and miss than not swing at all. So mm-hmm. it's really just been taking risk. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Um, so what's special about you <laughs> to be able to do this, or is this something that you think anybody can do? Yeah, this is totally something anybody can do. This is, not, uh, this is not limited to me. This is not limited to, like, the, the special elect Christian few. This, I mean, we've seen people who have been Christians their entire lives, never prayed for anybody, and we've given them an opportunity to pray for somebody, and people have been healed. Uh, there's a guy at work. I, I led him to Jesus on a Friday. This is about five months ago. I led him to Jesus on a Friday. All on his own, by Wednesday of the following week, he had prayed for somebody, and there was breakthrough. Uh, and so it's really just, like, anybody can do it. I mean, Poppy is six years old. She is my second daughter there. We had a friend over, and uh, this was two months ago or so. We had a friend over. She had been in a car accident about two months previous, or a few months previous. She had hurt her left shoulder, and it was still giving her issues as a result of this car accident. So we're teaching our girls how to pray for the sick, how to hear God's voice. And, and as I said, Jesus, I would say Jesus never prays for anybody. He just commands an issue. But a lot of times, he doesn't even do that. He just touches somebody, or people touch him, and they're healed. So I figured, let's experiment. <laughs> Let's see how this works. So I, I had Poppy put her hand on Hannah's shoulder, the, the sore shoulder, and, I, and because I have no idea how this works, I'm just experimenting. I said, let's count to 10. <laughs> that seems like it maybe 
could be biblical. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, let's count to 10. So Poppy counted to 10, and her, her shoulder was totally healed. Because a six-year-old counted to 10 with her. And so, yeah, anybody can do it. You're not limited. I think sometimes it's really easy to say, oh, you know, it's, it's for those people. Or I don't have the gift. It's not my call. You know, Jesus, when he sends it, I love this, you know, sends out the 12. He doesn't say, Peter, you get to do this. You know, Andrew, you raise the dead. You know, John, you're going to be the preacher. They all got to do everything. Mm. And so that's really been, been, yeah, what we've kind of lived by is we all get to play. Mm-hmm. I love John Wimber. He said, John Wimber is one of the founders of the, of the Vineyard Church. And he said, we all get to play. We all get to do the stuff. So that's been, that's been kind of our, our experience. Awesome. Thanks. What would you, how would you encourage us as a congregation to, to have uh, more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just more willingness to partner with the Holy Spirit like that. Oh, uh, man, good question. I, really, I believe that it starts with hunger. You know, a hunger to see what I read about in the Bible. You know, I love Jesus. In John 10, 37, Jesus says, he says, if you don't see me do the work of the Father, you don't have to believe me. And I've really adopted that. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody does not see a, a demonstration of power in my life, they have no reason to believe me. They're, they're off the hook. And that's what Jesus mm-hmm. said. Like, you don't, you don't have to believe a word I say unless you see me do the stuff. And so, yeah, really it starts with just a hunger. A hunger to see God move. The, the other thing is, you know, and I love her in Luke's account of descending, but in Matthew's account, that's, which is in Matthew 10, the beginning of Matthew 10, chapter 9 ends with, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, for harvest hands. That's how chapter 9 ends. Chapter 10 starts with a commissioning. Yeah. I think somewhere in between chapter 9 and chapter 10, the disciples asked. They said, God, would you give us harvest hands? Mm-hmm. And then they get commissioned. And so, yeah, anybody can do it. It's just, it's who's hungry to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, only one guy asked to step out of the boat when Jesus is walking on water. So who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. That's really it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thanks, Andrew. I love that. And there are, there are other examples. We're going we're gonna to showcase a few uh, as, we, as we go along. I want to wrap up this portion uh, by uh, sharing this quote with you from A.W. Tozer. Tozer is um, somebody who has really kind of been speaking to me uh, in the last couple of years, especially. Um, his, his writings have been influential in my own journey to open up to the Holy Spirit and to the presence of God in a, in a brand new way. And I love what Tozer writes here in his book, The Mystery of the Holy Spirit. He says, it is, it is my opinion that we need God's children to realize that they have a heritage of which they have not taken advantage. God has promised us a unique afflatus. Now, he's, he was a wordsmith, and for him, words were really important, and so words had significant meaning. And this, this is a really cool word, afflatus. And it means a, a burst of inspiration from deep within, is what it means. God has promised us a unique afflatus, a seizure, an invasion from beyond us that is to come to us and take over and to be in us what we could not possibly be by ourselves. I want you to think about that for a second. A.W. Tozer wrote 60 to 80 years ago. He died 54 years ago. He's considered the prophet to the evangelical church in the first half of the 20th century. 
More than 50 years ago, God was using a man like A.W. Tozer to speak to the evangelical church and say, wake up. Wake up to the power that is within you that you have ignored for so long. The Holy Spirit is able to do so much more for the kingdom of God than you and I could ever do through our own effort. But we have to learn not to be afraid. We have to learn how to hear. And we have to learn to respond in faith. That's our journey. That's our journey. The other thing I really love about the sending in Matthew 10 and Luke 10 is the disciples were not ready to go. They hadn't completed discipleship 300. They hadn't, you know, learned everything and mastered everything. It was an apprenticeship program where Jesus sent them out and said, Hey, go. Give this a try. Field test it. Try it out. And I loved what Andrew said about the risk he was willing to take and all the times that he didn't get it right. But because he was willing to trust, because he was willing to risk, because he was willing to obey, he began to see the fruit of that. And God was glorified in the lives of who, know, who knows how many people. You and I can do that too. You and I can do that too. We can go out these doors today. We can pay attention to where God is working all around us. And we can say, here I am, send me. And he can begin to do some amazing things. Let's pray. Father, we are your people, and we are a sent people. Heavenly Father, just thank you for the Holy Spirit. May we be filled with the Holy Spirit. May the fruit of the Spirit abound in us, but not just the fruit, but the gifts of the Spirit. And may you use your church to bring glory to Jesus and to advance your kingdom. That's why we're here. And Jesus, as we go, we have your promise that you will be with us always, even to the very end. What a joy it is to serve you and to be your people. Please lift the bushel off of your church at Forestbrook. So that the light you have lit, the lampstand which you have placed here that you call Forest Brook will burst into flame. And through that, would you bring many, many people to, to salvation and to the glory of Jesus. Amen.